he's like, I already know I want to marry you. So you just have to decide when. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do with that? I'm Stina Sieg, and this is Defining Moment, where I talk to people about those experiences that change their lives. For Sarah Koba, it was finding and losing love, but probably not in whatever way you're imagining right now. Sarah's moment was a relationship that spanned years, and she's still trying to unravel. Usually in the story, it depends on, on how much the person wants to know. Um, so I want to know a lot. <laughs> yeah, everything. Let's start when Sarah was a 17-year-old freshman at New Mexico State in Las Cruces. She'd just moved from Michigan and was sitting in the back of a church alone, making comments to herself as she watched a YouTube video on her cell phone. And this guy heard me. And he's like, did you just say this? Did I, did I just hear you say this? And I was like, uh, yeah. And so he's like, we're going to be very good friends. That turned out to be a gigantic understatement. His name was Robert, and he was this big teddy bear of a guy. He was a lot older than Sarah and married, but they clicked. She liked having this funny, loyal, life-of-the-party guy around. For years, they were buddies. Then they were nothing, after Robert told Sarah he had to stop communication in order for him to work on his marriage. Then several years later, he emailed her. And he goes, hey, I'm not dead. And he wanted to meet up. He was also divorced. Sarah debated with herself. But eventually, she drove from her new home in Phoenix to New Mexico. It was the first time Sarah had seen Robert in four years. What happened to this guy? You know, he was like such a such a personality and such a powerhouse. And he's just here, you know, with just torn up clothes and just like a jaded look on his face. And yet, as soon as he saw me, I could see him put on, you know, that persona of like, okay, entertaining, here we go, like an old, you know, comfortable sweater. Even though this new Robert was worn around the edges, he fit into Sarah's new life. Things happened quickly. They moved in together, and then they got married. Sarah remembers looking down at their marriage license and seeing their ages screaming back at her, 23 and 40. And that was just so weird to see on paper, because you see that and you're like, oh my God. Their wedding was small and low-key. Robert's family wasn't there. He told Sarah his sister couldn't come and that he had vowed never to see his brother again. What he told Sarah about his family's past sounded painful and chaotic, and she didn't push it. And then he told me that he was um, half Apache, half Mexican. I was like, all right, you know, you look like you could be it. You're a little bit tall, but that's, that's fine, you know, whatever. Robert also said he'd traveled to exotic places like Thailand and Russia and had been part of an elite branch of the military. Looking back now, Sarah knows it sounds fantastical. But the thing was, at the time, she felt like she had found the one, this imperfect but kind man she could build a future with. And they did, for three months. Then one night they were at home, about to eat dinner. So we sit down... And at the table, and all of a sudden, like, he just loses his ability to speak. And everything's coming out all muddled. And um, as he's going to raise his hand, his left hand just falls into his food, and he didn't even notice. And I was like, what's going on? Like, do you even know what's, what's happening right now? All Sarah knew was that she had to get him help. She somehow guided his 200-plus-pound frame into her car, and she just started driving, having to stop every few miles so Robert could throw up. Finally, they reached the hospital. Robert looks at me. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. Everything will be okay. I said, I don't think so. And he goes, it's okay. I love you. And I said, I love you too, but 
something's happening right now. What was happening was Robert was having a stroke. She remembers easing his body out of the car and onto the sidewalk. Some people stop to help, and soon medical staff appear and whisk Robert inside. They take him to a room, and they and they close the curtains, <laughs> and all of a sudden these doctors come out, and they said, it's not looking good. And I said, okay. You know, because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'll be praying about this, and God's going to work a miracle, you know, like he has to. And um, the chaplain comes out, and he's like, it's not looking good. Uh, they're saying that he's not going to have that much time. So I'm sitting there, you know, and just in complete shock as to what happened. Because just this morning, everything was normal. We were texting throughout the day, making plans, you know, for what we were going to do that evening and then later on for the weekend. And all of a sudden I'm here sitting in a hospital being told that my husband's going to die. And they don't know when. It's just a matter of, of time. As Robert's wife, Sarah had to choose what would happen next. Basically, she could leave him hooked up to all these machines, knowing he'd likely never get better, or she could let him go. I did not want Robert to just be a body in a bed. That wasn't him. After five days of sitting by his side, Sarah decided to let her husband die. She picked a time later that evening to let him pass and started thinking about funeral arrangements. Her mom was there, but Sarah was also sharing her surreal shock with strangers. Robert's family had appeared, summoned with the help of Sarah's pastor, and they had no idea who Sarah was. Robert had never told them about her. As the hours got closer to Robert's death, Robert's sister and cousin approached Sarah, saying they got to talk, they got to clear some stuff up. And I said, okay. Um, what, what, what do you mean? They said, well, number one, Robert never left New Mexico. He was never part of the military. He never went anywhere. He always stayed here. Um, number two, he never got divorced. And number three, he's not half Apache. He's Mexican through and through. And my head is swimming. The whole half Apache, half Mexican, like, I, I don't care. I couldn't care less about that. The crux of the matter was, however, that he lied to me about such a trivial thing. And then about being in the military, he had these stories, and they seemed so believable. But the thing that really hurt the most was him not being actually divorced. So I walk back into the room, and it's almost as if, you know, all those hours that I spent, <laughs> crying is an understatement. It was more of wailing in the hospital room, so much so that they had to come and close the door. <laughs> so I wouldn't disturb the other patients on the floor. It was as if it was all for naught, because I didn't even know the person that was sitting in this hospital bed. I walk over to him, and I was like, I don't, why? And... He just laid there, of course, you know, and um, I mean, looking at the clock, it was like at that time it was getting closer and closer to having to unplug him. And so I just grabbed his hand and I said, whatever your reasons are, I forgive you. She didn't know if he could actually hear her. She just knew that it was important that he know she wasn't harboring any anger against him before he died. But letting go of her anger didn't make her any less confused. I just, I didn't understand. And I still don't today. And 
you know, almost a year later, I I don't get it. I can I, I can only speculate. I can only tell myself that it wasn't, you know, malicious or of a malicious intent that he did that, but it was more of self-preservation and wanting to be someone, I guess, or something, or I, I don't know. It's been quite a journey, you know, in, in figuring out how to grieve and figuring out how to um, pick up the pieces and, and move on. But now Sarah's doing her best to be okay with what happened and what she'll never understand. She's grateful for Robert. Despite his lies and secrets, she feels he was still good for her. He taught me how to be treated and what to expect from a man. And she's carried that on to her new relationship with a man named Danny. I love him deeply and I, I do love him differently than I loved Robert. And I think that that's good because to try to replace Robert would be futile. Through this trauma and through this loss, I really have gained something tremendous. That's Sarah Koba, who also now has a 13-year-old stepson who she says is dorky, sweet, and all-around great. Do you have a moment that changed your life? Good, bad, or somewhere in between? I'd like to hear it. Send an email to definingmoment at kjzz.org. For Defining Moment and KJZZ, I'm Stina Sieg in Phoenix.